Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast, named one of the best commercial real estate podcasts by Business Insider. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We review all aspects of commercial real estate investing and bring the top people in the industry to share their best tips and lessons learned. And in today's episode, we are covering how to get tenants in your retail space. This is for leasing agents that focus on retail and also, of course, retail property owners. So you know what your leasing agents should be doing for your center. We are chatting with the one and only canvassing queen, Beth Azor. She is the CEO of Azor Advisory Services, and we just love Beth. Here we go. Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this may be your third or fourth time here. You are amazing. I truly admire you, and you're so humble, and you are so good at what you do. Uh, So great to have you here again. But for the people who may not know you, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think it's like my third time. Uh, Stephanie, I'm so appreciative. So my name is Beth Azor. I live in South Florida, which is a hot market, both in deals and in temperature. I have been in the commercial real estate industry for 38 years, and I focus on shopping centers and retail. Awesome. And you are the canvassing queen. I am. Please tell us what that is. And then we'll jump into the topic of how to canvas for your retail properties. Yes. So the canvassing queen, what canvassing is, we knock on doors to find tenants to lease spaces in our vacancies. So I was taught very early in my career Don't sit around and wait for the phone to ring, go out and knock on doors. And if you think about what what would qualify as a great tenant, it would be one that has other locations, right? Someone that's paying another landlord rent. Well, how easy is it? This is why I love retail, you know, but I've done it in office and industrial too, but it's just great to be able to go, if you are focusing on a shopping center, let's say in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you can go within two, one, two hours from your property and knock on doors of retailers to see if they are interested in expanding or opening in your shopping center. So that's what canvassing is. And it was so funny. I'm always, I've been preaching about canvassing my whole career, but about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I was on stage at a shopping center conference and someone kind of sarcastically said, Oh, there she is, the canvassing queen. And I went, oh, (laughs) I'm going to trademark that. So um, (laughs) even though he was saying it sarcastically, it's it's bode well for me all of these years since I've trademarked that. Way to, to change that into a positive. Yes. Well, first, I've been following you and your tweets on Twitter, and your tweets are so incredibly helpful. And recently, two that I can remember recently, one, you took a picture of a truck that you were driving by and you're like, here, guys, that's one way to canvas. And the other one was that you put a flyer, you gave multiple flyers to fill out a center, a bigger center, I believe. 
So let's jump into maybe these techniques and others that you would recommend people doing, whether they own a small center themselves and they want to take that on. I don't know who would do that, but just in case. And also, of course, for leasing agents as well. Sure. Yeah, that, that I'm so glad you follow me, Stephanie. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome. You. Your tweets are yeah, very so- great. <laughs> I, uh, I, the one with the truck I posted, you can find prospects everywhere. So I was sitting at a, at a red light and there was a van cr- across the way from me and on the bottom of the van, I think it was a plumbing supplies company. And at the bottom they had like five locations listed. And I, so why I always tell my, my students or my leasing agents who work for me, if someone has one location, you know, it's a 50-50 shot if they want a second. If they have three, four, or five, they definitely want more. They're in the expansion business. So that was why I took a picture of that saying, hey, everyone, open your eyes. This is a business. They have five locations. Here are their locations. So now I know that one of my shopping centers was a hole in their donut of locations. And I literally from my car called the place and they said they weren't interested in my area, but they gave me two other areas. And I know friends that own properties there. So I sent my friends the information. So that's, so there are prospects everywhere. There are um, prospects on bus benches you know, where you're driving down and it's, you know, hey, have a smoothie. And then they list multiple locations under the bus bench. So I'm always looking for prospects. I love getting the little magazines that they hand out at doctor's offices or pediatrician offices where it's the little community magazine. I grab those and then on the weekend I go through them and I have found tons of prospects because what does it tell you if they're advertising in a magazine? They've got money because we know right. the first thing that goes if a tenant's not doing well, a business isn't doing well, is marketing. So now they have another location and they have money to spend on marketing. Ding, ding, ding. So I'll call them. I just did a deal with a men's clothing store that I found an ad in a magazine, called them up. I said, hey, I've got this property. We'd love to have men's clothing. And they were very interested. And within 90 days, they were open in my in one of my properties. So that's that. And then the flyers, it's just easier. I say to people, well, when you go canvassing, well, people go, well, I went canvassing and it didn't work. I go, well, how many times have you gone? Once. Okay. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> works when you try it once. So, and then, but someone goes, no, I've gone a few times and it just doesn't work. I said, well, what do you take with you? What materials? They go, a business card. I'm like, okay, that doesn't work because businesses, retail owners are very busy, right? And if they're, let's say they're not at the store and you get a clerk, a gatekeeper, and you hand them a business card, the business card goes on the guy's desk in the back little office. So now the owner comes in and he sees a business card. Well, Azor Advisory Services tells them nothing versus the one that I posted on Twitter that you saw, I actually lease a property in Cleveland. So I own shopping centers in South Florida, but I have an assignment I'm working on in Cleveland where I took over a 15% occupied mall and we have signed 49 leases in two years. Congratulations. That's quite a tall order. (laughs) I met over 1800 businesses in Cleveland personally in two years. So that's how you do it. That's how you sign 49 leases. So 
I realized that because the property was in downtown Cleveland, lots of office buildings around, and the food court had only had two or three tenants, but because we got their sales, we knew that they were doing very well. So I created a flyer that showed a picture of the nine available food court spaces. So I said, you know, food court spaces available. I think I said great rates, utilities included. And then I said, you know, which ones had hoods, you know, and which ones had refrigeration. And I went and handed it out to 50 restaurants, like fast, casual restaurants. Within 90 days, we leased five of them. Flyers where, where the guy can come into the store and the gatekeeper goes, oh, this lady dropped this off, but it's got, here are nine food court spaces. This one has a hood. This one doesn't have a hood. This is the mall. It, it just is better than a business card. That and face-to-face, -face, in my opinion, is fantastic. People will tell you a whole lot more when you're present versus over the phone because you can build a rapport and all of that. And they pick up off of your energy and things like that. So let's say somebody says, oh, you know, call me six months from now. What would you do? So I would say, I'm sure, you know, is there a magic bullet to the six months? Well, my lease is up in six months. Oh, okay. So that's excellent. We would love to talk to you in six months. Can I ask how long it took you to sign your lease here? Oh, we're here. <laughs> Yeah. So if you, if we talk in six months and your lease is up in six months, will your current landlord give you holdover rights in case we haven't made a deal very quickly? So I'll just try to ask him some questions, but let's say he says, call me back in six months because my lease is up in 18 months. Okay, no problem. I'll give you a call back in six months. Now, what I might do between now and then the six months is let's say it's a bike store. I might... Google alert. First of all, I'm definitely going to Google alert his name and business so that if anytime he's in the newspaper for something, I can then text him, hey, saw that you opened another location in Atlanta, Georgia. Congratulations. I'll reach back out to you in June. Or if I see any articles about, you know, a bike, bikes, whether it's a bike riding race whether it's, you know, maybe there's that Europe, the race in Europe where they ride bikes and I'm sending him articles because I want him to remember who I am. I don't want to show up in six months and he, he already, oh, so sorry, you're late. I signed up with someone else, right? Because I'm a month yeah. late. Timing is everything. So I'm going to try to give him value without pressuring him on, do you want my space? Do you want my space? Like, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, remember me? I'm the girl from Jones Plaza. By the way, we just signed... Uh, Miami Heat Panther store. They're killing it out of the box. They, they did 200,000 last Saturday. So I'm giving them feedback on my property. And I'm not telling him I signed a nail salon. I'm telling him I signed a use that I think he would like to hear, right? Or I just, I signed a hobby store, a remote control hobby store, and they had their grand opening. And the first month they did, you know, whatever. So I'm giving him feedback about my property, not asking him, is he ready yet? And I'm trying to send him information to add value to his life, just so that I remain top of mind. And I probably will go back in the 90 day mark. And he should know who I am because I've been consistent with providing him information via email or text in the meantime. Yep. And as you're saying all of these things, I'm thinking of myself as a property owner. That's absolutely what I would want to hear. Not pushy, but you're on top 
of the communication. And now I'm starting to remember who you are. And because you're following up multiple times, even if you don't reach out within that, let's say two weeks that I'm looking at starting the search, I will remember you because you're the probably the only one <laughs> or maybe two <laughs> that have been following up and providing value. So and that and that I know a lot of your audience are buyers, right? Investors. I do this too with properties I'm trying to buy. I finally, after 14 years, have joined a partnership of a property in my area after 14 years. And someone said, Well, you know, what'd you do in the, over those 14 years? I said, Well, I, I'm so my partner's 90. He never wanted to sell, never wanted to sell, never wanted to sell. And every quarter I'd call him. And in the first year I'd call him and he would see my number and he'd go, hello. Like, and then, then finally, maybe year two, it's like, no, Beth, I still don't want to sell to you. But at least now I knew he associated me with wanting to buy his shopping center. That's like, until they get there, until a, a, a retail prospect, if I walk into the bike store, if every time I walk in, it's a, I start all over, I haven't done enough to create the relationship for them to make the decision. So for 10 years, no, I don't want to sell. Yeah. No, I don't want to sell. But I would say, I would send him things like, Hey, Mr. T, I just used this great paver. They were clean. They brought security. They, you know, barricaded. It was a great vendor. Or, hey, Mr. T, I just used the worst painter. I'll never use them again. Don't use them. Or, hey, Mr. T, so-and-so called me. I can't do a deal with them because I have an exclusive on coffee, but I don't think you do. So building the relationship to where now... 14 years later, he had a partner who wanted to sell and he called me and said, Hey, I have great news. I have a partner who wants to sell and none of our other partners want to buy her out, but you should come in and buy. So I got to buy a piece. And then within six months, we were talking and meeting and, and he said, I've decided that my five kids aren't the ones that should be taking this property over. And I'm turning 90 this year. So we're going to create documentation in my will. And then over the next couple of years that you'll become a bigger and bigger partner. So as of January 2nd, I'm a 12% partner. And a year from now, I'll be a 22% partner. And I hope that he continues to be around for a long time, like Charlie Munger, but if he doesn't, I have the first right of refusal. This alone, guys, <laughs> please, <laughs> this is huge. Great example of following up and keeping in touch. There is nothing else that needs to be said there. Phenomenal. Congratulations. You deserve it. Well, I'm excited. With regards to canvassing, is there anything else that you want our audience to be aware of or any other tips you want to cover before we move into our next topic? Sure. I think probably the last thing that I want to say, which is really the most important thing is when you walk into a, a space in a retail space, you never ask for the owner. Now I know there's been decades of sales training that says, get to the decision maker. But I promise you, the listener here, the watcher, that if you walk in and say, is the owner here? You're going to hammer your foot. It's just a terrible thing to do. First of all, if the guy or the gal is the owner and you walk in and say, is the owner here? They're immediately going to say, why doesn't she think I'm the owner? And he's, and he's going to lie and say, no, the owner's not here. If you walk in and it's a gatekeeper, you know, it's, it's a young person it's a clerk. 
that's working the retail store and you say, hi, is the owner here? You've just insulted them. Why, do, why don't they think I could be the owner? It's just a lose, lose, lose battle. So I walk in and I say, hi, I own shopping centers in the area. What are your expansion plans? The clerk says, oh, that's not me. I said, oh, okay, it's not, you know, so now, and, and I, I said, well, can I give you a flyer? Do you know if the company's ever thought about expanding? And I'm treating them like they really know what's going on. I have an assistant who she's my director of operations. She's been with me for 20 years. When vendors call like roof vendors or she's the boss, she's the person, but they're always like, is Miss Azor there? Like they just treat her like she's not important. But anyone that treats her with importance, like she's might be the decision maker, she gets their attention. So 90% of the time I walk out by speaking with the gatekeeper with the owner's name and number because I treated the gatekeeper with dignity and respect. And a lot of times they're the gatekeeper. So you can treat yeah. them with not respect and say, I'm not allowed to give out that information. I never hear that, ever hear that. They always give me the information. And then the same thing is if I walk in and they are the owner and I just start talking to them like they're the owner, very quickly, the guy says, well, I'm the owner. I just got that last week. How'd you know I was the owner? I, go, I treat everyone like they're the owner. But yeah, so don't ever walk in and say, hi, is the owner here? Because you won't get very far. So that's my biggest tip of anytime anyone says, what's your biggest tip of canvassing? That's it. That is huge and agreed 100%, even with assistance, right? As you said, they are the gatekeeper. They have the remote control to open or close the gate or tell the person that they work for, look, these people have been following up very respectfully or, or whatever they say. And that is 100% true. Thank you for bringing that up. Would love to switch gears as my entire audience knows we never get paid for anything. We don't have advertisers. So this is not paid at all. This is really because your conference is fantastic. It is my third year that I will be attending and uh, has been incredibly valuable because I met so many incredible people that actually things happened or, you know, potential properties and partnerships out of meeting people at your conference. So I would love for you to share with the audience what the conference is about and take it from there. So five years ago, I learned that of all of the commercial real estate investors in the U.S., only 3% are women. And then I kept delving further and I found out that of the 3%, 50% of those were spouses who just signed on loans and inherited and so you and I represent 1.5% of all of the, you know, we're part of the 1.5% that invest in commercial real estate in the country. So I found that deplorable. And I, at the time, I think I was 58, I'm 63. And I have a goal, Stephanie, by the time I turn 70 to get that number to 10%. I don't know how I'm going to track it. All I know is last year, I asked everyone to stand up who had invested for the first time that a year prior had not. And I think 25 women stood up. So oh, I know, yes. and that's out of, we had 160 women in the room. So I know that we're making an impact. And so how are we doing it? So why are not are women not investing? First, they said, well, I don't have the money. I don't have the million dollars. And and I said, okay, well, you don't need a million dollars. So I knew that was education. And well, it's too complicated. 
And so I said, well, do you invest your money at all or is it under the mattress? Oh no, I invest in the stock market. Oh, and that's not complicated. So I like delved like, and they're like, yeah, that's complicated. My Netflix stock dropped 80% last year. That's complicated. How did that happen? Yeah. So then I'm afraid of the risk. Okay. I understand that. That's, that's a valid reason. I'm just afraid. But what it really came down to is they would say, I don't know any other woman in my circle doing it. And I went, mm. aha, this is how I can help. So we had our first year was virtual because we were in, in COVID. I interviewed, I think, seven or eight women virtually. And then two years ago, I interviewed, I think, eight women. Last year, nine women. You were one of them. And this year, I think we have 11 women. And a couple of the interviews will be, I'm interviewing two women at the same time. So I think we probably have 13 speakers. So these are women that have invested in self-storage, hospitality, multifamily, retail, office, women that have actually written checks, raised money, got loans so that the women in the audience, and I think we are absolutely going to sell out at 200 so I interview the women, like I, I say to Stephanie, what was your first deal? How, how scared were you? How did you get the loan? And, and we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly so that the women hear all of it. And then the women, the speakers go into breakout rooms and they get to go deeper with the speaker. This year, we're going to, we're trying to figure out how to do speed dating. So where we're going to line up, you know, LPs and GPs. And I know, like you had said earlier, you've met people that have talked to you about your deals. I have met people that I've, that I've invested as an LP with Natasha in multifamily. So the goal is to educate them that it doesn't take a million dollars, educate them from our own specific examples of, yes, it's scary sometimes, sometimes you lose money, sometimes you make money, but just getting the word out and exposing the women to this is another diversification that you should be familiar with. And it's, we've made impact, which I'm just so excited about. And then this year, day two, just last year, we didn't do it because the conference, we, we had moved it to Orlando. But two years ago, were you on the bus tour two years ago? Yes. Yeah, it was great. Very helpful. Yeah, so this year, we're doing the bus tour again. And we're going to do three of my retail properties and three multifamilies. And it's, it's, again, the journey of how I didn't know who Natasha, this is a woman who, who invests in multifamily in Miami. I didn't know her before I started this. Not only do I know her, I've now invested with her for, in four different multifamily projects and so have other women in the room. It's great to get a, to give a check and get a check, by the way, yeah. being an LP instead of being a GP. It's great to get a, to give a check and get a check, by the way, yeah. being an LP instead of being a GP. So, but that's what the conference is. It's 200 like-minded women in a room, some like you, have done it and are doing it. Some are dipping their toe in and then phenomenal women on the stage sharing, like write open book, open the kimono. Some of the things you guys say on stage, I'm like, I can't believe they're saying this, but this is awesome for the women in the room. Yeah, yeah. And so for all the guys that are listening, you, you all have wives, girlfriends, or sisters or mothers that you might want to have them start learning what you do. And I say that I have, touched on this before, but women just think differently. So once they learn or they are interested in real estate investing, 
They will think of other angles, right, about a potential property that you are working on and things like that. So I think it's really important to to have the ladies in your lives uh, learn about what you're doing. It's a fantastic conference. And and we don't send guys away. You know, I think last year we had about five guys. I'm, we're That's open, true. but it's just the focus <laughs> is to help educate the women. And I, I, I've had friends of mine that have invested with me send their wives it did it open their their wives you know minds on oh it's it, it it has helped them as a couple investing exactly so what is the link for your event so it's you can find it on my website bethazor.com and it's march 14th and 15th in south florida we are having it at the la meridian hotel which is literally a mile from the fort lauderdale airport makes it really easy to get in and out and how can our listeners get in touch with you? So Twitter, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, it's Beth Azor, B-E-T-H-A-Z-O-R. And I'm pretty accessible on all of the platforms. And I think your Twitter has something else in the end. Oh, I think Beth Azor a- 1. Yeah. Yes. So right. Twitter is Beth Azor 1. The rest is just Beth Azor. And all of these links will be under show notes. Beth, thank you so much for yet again providing so much value, not only on the canvassing side, but also for doing this out of the goodness of your hearts, because we all know conferences are <laughs> pretty much doing something out of the goodness of our hearts to encourage other ladies to invest. I really appreciate you. Uh, well, thank you for having me, Stephanie. And I can't wait to see you down here in March. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our very straightforward to the point newsletter with real estate investing tips at monicarlorei.com. And I will see you next time.